0: <laughs> <laughs> i just going to talk to you for a little bit. Okay, go ahead, man. In, in knowing about Smokey Robinson, it all seemed to come so easy. I mean, there you were, you had a group in Detroit, you made a record, boom, 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 in 20 minutes you had hits, and you rolled them all out. Was it that easy all the time for you? Mm, Heck no, Joe. It was, in
1: fact, it was very, very difficult. Um, it was one of those cases where I guess we were, first of all, I feel very blessed. I always like to start with that because I think that my life is a blessing and um, it's uh, a wonderful thing to get a chance to live my life doing something that I love and that if anything has made it easy that has been what has made it easy or seem easy because I do love what I'm doing however it has been a very very difficult very hard road uh, in many many ways first of all um, I started out so young, 17 years old. And at that point, it's very hard to get anyone to even listen to you. And I just happened to be at the right place in the right t- at the right time, in the right place, I should say, because Barry Gordy, who was just starting out himself at that time, was at an audition that I went to. And um, since we, we, the Miracles, we weren't the Miracles at that time, we were called the Matadors, but we had to change our name because we had a girl with us and that didn't work. But uh, we went for this audition and um, we sang all songs that I would written while going to high school. And this impressed Barry because he was a songwriter himself at that time. And this caused us to strike up a relationship whereas the people who we auditioned for didn't like our group. But anyway, uh, Barry and I struck up a relationship through songs and um, shortly after that time he started Motown and that was a struggle of course because we had to start out on a very precarious position uh conditions uh in as much as Barry was uh first of all he was black trying to break into the record business and his idea at first was just to be a local company and for many years we struggled along at that doing everything ourselves you know every. Employee that we had, we had five or six employees there, and we would mail out the records, take them to record shops or to radio stations and what have you. And um, it was all like a very hard time, but like I said, it was easy because we loved
0: what we were well, doing. you young and excited. Yeah, you know. Time. What was Motown like then, Smokey? Was it it a family kind of feeling? Yeah,
1: Motown was a family kind of feeling because it was, first of all, it was started with family money. Barry borrowed the money from his family to start the thing, and um, we um, had sort of like a a family sort of, um, what can I call it? It was sort of like a family atmosphere because... um, we were all young black people and we were from the same neighborhoods basically and uh, we had one thought in mind and uh, we had one goal in mind and we spent a great deal of time together from morn till night. We ate together, uh, sometimes we slept together
0: we played together. We did Eddie have a, and yes. Brian and Lamont and all the other people too? Really? Yeah,
1: well Eddie uh, at first wasn't too much a part of it. He was the only other artist that Barry had, yeah. but he wasn't a part of what was happening at Motown. He was yeah. just an artist, and from time to time Barry would record him, but Brian was a very big part of it. Brian uh, was there, uh, a guy named Robert Bateman, yeah. and um, a girl
0: named, um, Gwen Murray. Had you started the house band at that point? Was that No,
1: not then. You know the guys came in um, like uh, one at a time basically. And eventually uh, when we got to like the mid-60s then we had accumulated all those guys. But um, like I said it was very easy for us to be like family orientated because we were like a family. We spent so much time together.
0: It, it's hard for anybody to realize what they're doing when they're doing it, but was there a point when you guys became aware that you were making something here that was just more than just hit records? I mean, this
1: Absolutely, a- there was yeah. a point when we realized it. I think that however what Motown came to be was beyond the wildest dreams of anyone who was involved at that time. We uh, just went um, to heights that we never dared to dream of. But uh, there was a point when we became aware that we were really what was happening in the music business. And I think a great uh, awakening for me personally was when we first started to get letters from the white kids who lived in Detroit suburbs, places like Grosse Pointe and Birmingham and places like that where blacks couldn't live at that time. We would get letters from the white kids and they would say things like, we've got all your records. Our parents don't know we have them, because if they knew we couldn't have them, but we've got all your records and we love Motown. And um, I mean we just, I always look at barriers like um, some sort of a a, 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 a racial uh, relationship mender or something, through music. You know, because I think that Motown crossed a lot of racial barriers and Many barriers that uh, prior to that time had not been done.
0: The years with the miracles were just outstanding. They never seemed to stop. Uh, do you remember much about it? Was it a blur? Or a, a
1: no, it was it was my life, Joe. So I remember. I really, I remember everything about it. But. Um, uh, looking back on it at this time, it it does seem like those years, uh, from like 1958 till 1972, went by instantly. But that's only because it's now. Yeah. As it was happening, it was. Um, I mean, it took the time that it took, and um, it, we had many many ups and downs as a group. I mean, we were, people look at the miracles and they say, God, lead him. boy, he had all those hits, you know. But that's because people don't know about the misses, you know what I'm saying? People don't remember the misses, you know, but when you're a part of it and when you live it, then you remember those times too. You remember the lean times as well as the good times. And I think that um, I, I, I feel uh, that I got out of the miracles at the right time because I got out when we were up, we were on a peak, and it gave the other guys more leverage for me to get out at that time and um gave them the 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 will and the strength and 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 like i said the the uh, the public leverage to carry on without me being there because we were so hot at the time that i did quit
0: what kind of impact did success have on all of you guys some handle it better than others Uh, how about you
1: well i think that um in our particular group I, i i and to this day this is true for me i never saw five people handle success like we did, in that same way, because we were always common folk. I mean, we never got to, there was nobody in our group who was big headed, who said, well, hey, we, you know, we're the miracles and so we're this and we're that and so on and so forth. Everybody always remained pretty level headed in their thinking and what have you, because I think that everybody realized That we were living our dream and we were very blessed to be able to do that. And it wasn't because of um, any sort of, uh, you know, personal kind of thing on our part that we were who we were. It's just the fact that, see, there's a certain amount of talent, a certain amount of luck, a certain amount of all those things that go along with making it big. As a recording artist, and um, if in fact you start to believe that you who you are, that you are who you are when you're on stage, you know, and the chicks are screaming and they're trying to tear your clothes off and blah 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 and all this and so on and so forth, then you're in trouble. You're doomed, you know. But if you remember that, oh yeah, they're doing this, and it's a wonderful thing that they react to us in this way. But however, I'm just a guy, and I sing. And all these people—the guys, the cab drivers' daughters out there, you know—and and the grocer, and those people like that. Drives, so I need them. You know, yeah. I need I need them more really than they need me because they're going to be entertained by. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of entertainers. Although these same people support all of them, Excuse but
0: me, um, well, the next again it's interesting okay, about uh, about yeah. I, I'll just take about five minutes. yeah. Okay. Uh, not everybody reacted the same way, though.
1: I mean, You had some that... Yeah, see, and, and those people with, are gone. You yeah, know, those so people faded yeah. fast because when yeah. they began to believe that they were who they are, like I said, on stage and that it see that they, they began to believe that even if they had been a grocer or a cab driver or whatever, people would have reacted to them in the same way because they were them, you know, not realizing that this is a thing that goes along with show business and you're just a person and you have to deal with it like that. And I always like to go one step further because I'm a spiritual thinking person. And I know that in God's eyesight, we're all the same. You know, just, people we just about, have
0: different jobs. Smokey people talk about your voice and expressions like sweetness and sublime and astonishing and expressive. What about your voice? How do you perceive it, you as a singer?
1: Well, I do uh, know that I have a voice that when people hear me, they know who it is. And... Um, I just enjoy. I enjoy singing. I, I don't. I don't consider myself as a, like a great singer. You know, I just. I. I think I feel songs, uh, perhaps uh, as much as I, I. I myself possibly can, but I don't consider myself like a great singer, like uh, Aretha Franklin or or uh, Luther Vandross or those people who can just really just sing, sing, sing. To me, yeah. those people, you know, Jackie Wilson and, you know. Uh, Pavarotti, <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think that basically I'm a song feeler, and um, because, I, you know, I, I've sang some of those songs uh, thousands upon thousands of times, and every time is like a new time for me.
0: And they talk about the other aspect of your career as a writer. People have compared you a cold quarter, you seem to be rather prolific, you turn them on. How do you perceive yourself as a writer?
1: Well, um, I think that um, in my writing, I really am a song lover. And I've always been a song lover all my life. From a little kid, I was a song lover. And I bought song books and stuff like that with my money. And I had a great uh, teacher because Barry Gordy was the one who really showed me how to make my songs songs or stories you know what I'm saying because I could always rhyme stuff really good but I wasn't a continuity person my songs didn't tell a complete story from beginning to end and middle and what have you I would go off on several different subjects in the same song but it'd be rhymed up really good but I do know that I'm a song lover and that I take my songwriting very very seriously and I've got a lot of songs that I will not even reveal because I know they're not right yet and I I have to know that a song is right before I'm gonna let somebody hear it uh, uh, commercially you know what I'm saying and I am a very very critical song person and I'm critical on myself and um, so I think that it
0: makes me uh, more conscious of my writing. Do you ever concerned about drying up or hitting a block or a wall?
1: I used to. From time to time, I would think, well, hey, maybe that was it. Maybe that last hit song was it, you know. But nowadays, I don't even think like that anymore because I just know that um, it's it's a God-given gift and it's there. And if I apply myself to it, then probably I'm going to come up with something else.
0: Just one or two questions. you guys left detroit and came here all of a sudden there's a vacuum in detroit there, there still must be talented kids there aren't there or... yeah yeah man you know but i i got another viewpoint on that yeah. too because
1: uh see people always say that man there was so much talent in detroit in those days and you guys had all that talent and what have you we had barry gordy man that's that's you know what i'm saying if you put we barry had a, gordy yeah, back in there again yeah
0: you could do it again. Yes, yeah,
1: absolutely. Or put him in Chicago. Yeah. It would have happened in Chicago. See, yeah. it, we had an outlet. The young kids in Detroit, the young talented people had an outlet, because those talented people are all over the world. In every town, every city, everything, every place you can think of has young talented, talented people, but they don't have an outlet. We had an outlet, and so that's why Detroit became what it became musically, because there was a man there who said, "Hey." I want to do this and he had the the, the fortitude to do it and um, and the cooperation of a lot of other people that made it happen in the manner that it did
0: other than right now what if you could bottle a year or two and say this was the best would it have been with the miracles or would it have been when you went on your own any time that you think of
1: um well see I feel like what's happening with me right now is the and best it's ever been so it's very hard for me to look back. I guess if I was going to look back on something and see what was the best years for me, it would have to be the years that my kids were born. Because, yeah. you know, my kids are, are, you know, wonderful miracles to me. You talk about the miracles, yeah. my kids are miracles to me. You, so,
0: you still, uh, uh, Are you still surprised sometimes at the reaction when people know you're Smokey Robinson? I mean, and and the kind of things that people well,
1: say to you. Well, yeah, sometimes you know. I am, you know, and especially if I meet somebody and, and you know, like guys come up to me and say, "Well, man, I am from Zimbabwe, yeah. you know," and, yeah. and I know your music, man. And, you know, that trips me out. You know, I'm from Baghdad, man. I, I know your songs. What, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still it's still a trip for me when when I you know, because I guess I just um, like I said, I just feel like it's just my life and um, i mean i'm very happy when people recognize me and they know me but uh... i don't look upon myself as being uh, somebody that's like a phenomenon or something like that like uh... michael jackson or elvis presley or the beatles or that that sort of a person personality
0: i should say but um, you know, i guess i still get tripped out but because as a there's a handful of you who represent a major chunk of American cultural history. you, Bob Dylan, maybe Paul Simon, Felix, uh, that. It's it's a weight to carry sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah
1: that's a good company too, man, yeah. and I, I'm I'm very happy about yeah. that. I'm very, uh, you know, when I look back on it, I think my probably the proudest thing that's happened, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, I've had many many things that happened in the music world that have made me proud. Um, to be like inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is is a real proud thing for me. But I guess when I look back at my life and what's happening now, especially. The, 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 the thing that I'm the most proud of is the fact that I'm still here and I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm still here and I got a hit album right now, you know, so uh, that really makes me feel good.